Welcome to the Jalal Azar podcast presenting Breaking Resistance. I'm Jalal John Azar. And I'm Francisco Herrera. And we're talking with entrepreneurs who have reached the peak through breaking barriers and obstacles in their personal and business journey to educate and inspire you to break your own resistance. Welcome, everybody, to the Breaking Resistance podcast. My name is Francisco. I'm here today with John. John, we have a we have a really great and, and, and interesting guest today. So, oh I mean, my he, god, he, I'm so excited! I'm so I'm, excited. This is I'm, John Azar. Welcome to Breaking Resistance. Uh, our guest today is uh, someone I've known for a while, but I didn't actually know, which is so exciting for me. I've like known he's like he's been in my circle, but didn't actually. I, you know, him and I never officially completely met. So it's exciting for me to have him on. No, and very quickly, before we move forward to our guest, um, for those of you looking at, uh, on the video side, this is this is John Azar, okay? He, he, he It's not his twin his twin brother or anything like that. <laughs> he, he he just has a new look. So 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 don't be scared. This is not a different host, okay? It's my doppelganger without the beard. Yes, <laughs> exactly. Yes, yes, so my younger brother, my younger brother. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, uh-huh. to invite the to invite our guests and 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 for all of our folks out in Texas, you you might know who this who this is, but I'd like to introduce to you and welcome Swap Neil. Swap Neil, thank you for joining us today. Awesome guys, thank you so much. It's an honor being here. And actually, you know, I miss John's beard. I did now. Now I remember he has the beard of the LinkedIn profile. Uh, so I'm not say I haven't seen a change except for the picture tonight. <laughs> So usually I give him an introduction as the, the the bearded legend, but I mean I can't even do that anymore. So I think I'm gonna have to introduce you as the bearded How do you legend. Feel, John? How do you feel about the beard? Like, I, I mean, it's, you know, I've had it for I've had it for a couple of years, and you know, I don't know. It's just I'm all about change, man. I'm never afraid of change. It's just this is just another example of how I'm never afraid of change. And it's you funny try. because I'm about change. I got a haircut on on Tuesday, and guess I'm gonna grow a mullet. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> Business in the front, party in the back. That's all you need. Yeah, right? exactly. <laughs> that is absolutely amazing. Well, Swap Neil, thank you so much. I appreciate you coming on the show with us, and uh, we're really excited to have you. Uh, yeah. I, 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 I don't want to take away from your thunder. I'll let you maybe give like a just a quick thirty thousand over foot overview about yourself and your company and and all the great things that you're working on. Yeah, no, thank you. You know, I was thinking about the introduction and, you know, usually people talk and, you know, previously I've always, you know, people talk about their background. You know, the way I've my life has been and what I'm doing now, it's really been an incredible journey so far because here I am who grew up in very modest beginnings and humble background in a small town in India coming to America with those great dreams that I would say everybody moves to this country for. And then having gone through the journey of, you know, the education life and then the professional life before finally said, look, let's just do this. What's, what's there to lose? And then going from that to achieving these things that, yes, I had conviction in my mind and what I mean for your, for your and listeners that don't know me, you know, starting a real estate platform. Uh, building a you know 700 people team and having two and a half billion of assets under management and really I think what it comes down to is you know that adversity that that I faced in my early life is kind of really set me up for where I am today and where I'm going to go in the future because it's almost like that mentality of what do you have to do right 
hard. What do you have to lose? Life is hard. And people really, you know, get hung up on little details in life, whether it's about money, whether it's about relationships, whether it's about, you know, how they conduct business, you know. End of the day, it's about uplifting the society in general. It's about improving living people's living conditions because we all are human. Let's say we were to progress today and make a name for ourselves and have a great company like, like I seem to have today. But guess what? If you are that that place on top is a very lonely place, right? It gets thin. It gets, the air is very thin over there. Hard to connect. So, but imagine when you were able to grow and you were able to grow and take everybody along with you. How beautiful that is, right? When you're really making changing in people's lives, because then your purpose and your purpose becomes bigger than what you are doing in day to day life. And your purpose is how am I touching people's lives in a positive way? Right? For me, Absolutely. improving living conditions, giving people money. I mean, the world is driven by finance, right? People is driven by money. How can we not make them think about money? So for me, my employee development, not only professionally, but in their personal life, right? People have their own struggles, right? All of us, we have the, our own individual struggles, whether it's a billionaire or a guy without a job. Yes, problem is that we all tend to live in our own little bubbles, thinking that that is the world. But guess what? We are not even a little molecule, like a small atom in this whole scheme of things. Mm-hmm. Let's, you know, as businessmen, entrepreneurs, I always fall under this policy because, oh, I am such an important person. Without me, the world will fall apart. But you know what the reality is, guys? Nobody cares. If you were, if you didn't exist, the world will still move on. <laughs> <laughs> that is amazing. That is wow. absolutely true. That is absolutely true. You've said you've said a couple of things that are that are absolutely rings true with me. I, you know, a what do you have to lose? I, I'm, yeah. I've always lived by that model. You know, what do you have to, what do I have to lose? I mean, and, and I don't know if that's because I think you know, I don't know if it's that immigrant mentality or or what, like coming. Coming from nothing, you know, I, you know, and, and, and building up something where it's like, well, okay, so I, I lose it. So what? I go back to, I go back to living in, you know, in an apartment and trying to make ends meet and work at a Starbucks. I don't know, you know, whatever it is. I'm, I'm never afraid of work. I'm not afraid of work, and I don't think someone like you is strikes me as the same same mentality. So I, I love that. I love that. Yeah. So no, I mean, look, it's been an incredible journey and continues to be. Uh, again, for me, it's about the wider cost, right? The bigger cost, not just profitability. Profitability is just the end result. It's a byproduct of what you do, right? If you are driven by just profitability, you will not achieve what you're meant to achieve in life. Right? And everybody is capable. It's all about pushing the limits in your own mind, right? We all confine ourselves to what we're capable of, right? But get, guess what? We are not even achieving 100th of what we're capable of. If you can just elevate your own mentality, where you feel that, well, it's infinite, right? The world is infinite. It's yeah. infinite optionality, infinite growth. You will make mountains move, right? That, that's the mentality that any entrepreneur, every entrepreneur, every person should live their life by. Because guess what? We, you know, we think that life is infinite. But guess what? We all have limited number of days and years to live. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we're, I'm 40 now and... Your life cycle goes by so fast that when you're when you're 70 years old, like what did I do in my life? What did I achieve? And yeah. guess what? It's too late by then. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. No, 100. 
So, so what drives you, you know, it's, you said it's, you're not driven by profitability. What, what, what drives you? Let's, let's, let's drive into the kind of meat of it. What drive, what drives Swap Neil? It might sound as a cliche. I mean, I would say that what really drives me is, is I want to touch 1 billion people's lives in a positive manner, whether it's, you know, people go, you know, and there's different ways to do it, right? You can join a social charitable organization. You can, uh, you can become, you can work at a company, you can donate money. And for me, it's about becoming the best entrepreneur version of myself. Whether it's, it's, so I think of me as a, as a leader, right? What is the def- leader? My definition of leader is if I can empower and enable and create 100 more leaders, right? So for me, that's being a leader. And what drives me is to create more leaders. That It's almost like that team where you're at the top and you're enabling so many people, then they will have their own team, then they have their own team. And all of a sudden, you're touching billion lives. And I want to be the biggest and the best entrepreneur. I want to have the biggest real estate company in the world, right? That's my materialistic vision. But the reason I, I want to do that is because the, the, the power I will gain by getting that has helped me touch billion people's lives in, in a positive, in a more efficient That's awesome. Yeah. No, yeah, and, and it's very true. I mean, people people are what, what drives this entire, entire economy. You know what I mean? If you can put people first over the monetary value of what you're trying to achieve, you're going to get yeah. so much further in life, in yeah. your personal life and in your business life. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm saying that it's, there's a lot of driving factors, right? And as, and as, as you go, I mean, uh, we go through our lives on a day-to-day basis. You know, there are moments, there are hours, there are days when, you fluctuate, your mood fluctuates, your drive fluctuates, sometimes your motivation fluctuates. Like, why am I doing all of that? Right? Why what, do I, what is the need? Well, but two two hours later you're back to being thinking how you were thinking about So it's it's basically overcoming those day-to-day challenges and struggles, but keeping inside of your bigger, longer vision, which everyone needs to keep because if they're gonna grow in life. Absolutely. Absolutely. No, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I, to me, growth in life is is probably the number one thing that drives me. You know, just like you said, you know, touching the lives of a billion people. For me, you know, growing in life and affecting people. I don't have a number like you, but I, you know, I want to affect people in a positive way around me, and and yeah. and that's the way I want to grow myself. So that's that's amazing. Um, but by the way, just for, for our listeners, uh, in case you missed it earlier, I know Swapnil just kind of glazed over it for, you know, really quickly. He runs a $2 billion plus company and it's a 700 plus employees type of company. So, um, yeah. you know, so he's, he's kind uh, of a big deal. Yeah. He's, he's kind <laughs> of a big deal. He just, he's, he's, he's very, very he's modest. Very modest. Yeah, very, very yes. modest. Nit- yes. Nitya Capital is, is his company. By the way, how did, how did that, where did the name Nitya come from? Uh, you know, it's uh, it was gonna be it's a Sanskrit word, and and it was going. You know, when we were had our first uh, son in 2013. I was thinking we we're gonna have a daughter, and the name of my daughter was gonna be Nitya, but we ended up having a son. So Nitya was gonna be the name of my daughter, which we didn't have, but the name Nitya itself means everlasting, oh, forever. Okay. Wow. Wow. That's nice. Wow, that's amazing. So, uh, Swapnil, what I what I want to do is we kind of want to backtrack a little bit 
Um, <laughs> we're gonna get nitty gritty and everything as far as your success and how how you've gotten there and your hurdles that you've you you you've managed to get through. But I want I want the listeners to kind of get a, get to know you a little bit more as far as how your up your your, your upbringing was. Tell us a little bit as far as when what your life was when you were used to be in in, in India. Sure. So I grew up in a town called Agra, which is in central India. You know, typical, you know, lower middle class family where both the parents worked. My dad had a job, then he had a side business. My mom had a daycare. Uh, but again, a, a, a family that has, that has a lot of values that taught me, uh, you know, the value of integrity and transparency and being honest. And, and hard work, right? Hard work, but still full of dreams and ambition, right? Like you, we were allowed to dream. I was never the one that was put constrained that this is all you can do in life. You know, I, I was always allowed to dream big, right? That's a big thing because a lot of times when you grow up in that kind of a, on a, in a setting or a family where nobody has seen, you know, kind of success that people dream about, they're like, okay, let's just be realistic. You know, your goals in life should be study hard, get good grades, and, and then get a job, right? And then be settled. So I did that. I was in 1996 when I, 15 years old, I was a sophomore in high school. I, be, with my pressure on my parents that I really want to go to America because I looked at America as like this land of opportunities, right? Where there is only beautiful people, everyone has the money. And then, you know, you used to have people talk about, even the maid comes in a car, I'm like, really? Like, we don't have a time. <laughs> <laughs> That's fantastic. So like, That's the country I want to move to, right? So then, finally, was able to convince my, okay, let's move to Houston. We moved to Houston. And I'll tell you, that sticker shock, man, it was unbelievable. We moved to a really, really bad part of town, southwest Houston called Ailey. I go to the school, high school called Hastings Public High School. And everything that I dreamt about America is you know, good people. Everyone is rich. It's easy. You don't have to work hard. You just make exact opposite, right? Opposite. Exact opposite. The life was the life was so freaking difficult, right? <laughs> yeah, first, first of all, you have no friends. You can't even speak their language. And you are in this crowd when you're like, what the heck am I doing here? I don't know anything. I don't know anything about this culture. I can't even connect. I can't even make a single friend. And I'm going to survive. So you go from the mentality by like, wow, I'm going to come to America and make everything possible. And then you are hit with this thing. The reality check was not, you know, there's a lot of bad people. There's a lot of criminals. And we, I had firsthand experience because we lived in this apartment complex. My dad ran a liquor store for 22 years in the worst part of town. And guess what? We were getting robbed literally every two weeks. By the time, oh, man. after the fifth time, I'm like, okay. There's nothing left. So you can, so you just leave the door open. You can take whatever you want. <laughs> There's nothing left. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> you know? Oh, man. Wow. Uh, That's horrible. But, but, but what does America provide is, man, it's, it's a platform. It's that, it's that opportunity that at least you're allowed to dream and you can achieve your dreams with some luck and help and a lot of hard work. So, you know, came, came to Houston, worked at a pizza store, passing out pizza flyers. And in fact, a lot of the same communities that we own today. And, and you know, look, it provided that platform that if you're willing to put it out on card, you're going to be successful. And that's what I love America. And that's what makes America the greatest country in the planet. It yeah. is the symbol of capitalism, right? You cannot 
instill that capitalism mentality. And that's what makes America so great because what I've achieved as an immigrant in this country, and guess what? I wasn't even a permanent resident until seven years ago and I became a citizen two years ago. And here I am employing 700 people, right? It's that there's a lot of challenges when it comes to America. It's not easy by any means, but it is the only country in this world where you can make this dream a reality. I can guarantee you 100% without any background, without any balance sheet, without having the work to do anything, without having connection or political connection, this is the only country you can achieve. That's amazing. That's yeah. amazing. And, and I love that. I love the fact that, I mean, it, it, that you also came from a background of entrepreneurs. I mean, you, you said it yourself that your, your parents even, they, they, she ran a, your mom ran a daycare and then your dad also had like a side business. So you had that instilled yes. already yes. in you as a child. Yes, I had that. So that proves to be the difference today because I had that entrepreneurial upbringing all the time. Mm-hmm. The difference was that they were happy by having one store or one little business, or one liquor store. Because yeah. they were happy that their daily expenses were being met, we could pay the rent on time, and we had enough food on our table, right? My mentality comes different where I'm looking at scaling a business, right? I am not happy with one or two. I said, look, let money work for you. Let cash flows work for you, right? Yeah. They think that. And I, I would say a lot of the, I mean, America is what, 90% small businesses, right? That mentality is still there a lot. Of, and, and, and you know what that comes down to? is the lack of financial education or education system provides us they're growing up. I mean, we weren't taught how do you manage money. We weren't taught what is finance till you go to college in later years. What were we taught? We were taught chemistry, physics, biology, uh, calculus, uh, you know, and what is, I mean, it's, I, and don't get me wrong, those subjects are very important because it, it's the discipline you're gaining while getting this education on which you will apply later in life like I'm applying today. It's the discipline right? But we didn't have the financial knowledge and education. How can you, what is a mortgage? How can you buy a hundred dollar property? But hey, guess what? 75 is going to come from leverage. You only need $25. And guess what? You don't need the property price to double to double your money. You just need property to go to one from 100 to 125. And guess what? Your 25 has become 50, right? Mm -hmm. That Mm -hmm. mentality is not taught to any of us. They don't teach you that. No, no, and, no, and I have news for you, Swapnil. Most adults don't 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 know those facts either. No, so ninety percent yeah. yeah, small business. They don't understand that concept. No, no, no. And, and I think it also even comes down to where uh, the cash flow. It, it, it's more it, they want to hoarder the cash flow versus what can I do with this cash flow to expand to scale. And I think when you kind of have that mentality, then you're able to really reach for the stars. You know what I mean? Yeah, and, and you know, look, it, it's the new generation, right? And the reason I say that now. The importance of education in the generation is so important, right? You have, you know, in, when we're growing up, it's always like, okay, the goal was to get a job after I graduate from UT, which I did. Uh, UT Austin. So, 99, 2003, I was a UT Austin finance degree. Guess what? I want a job. Which job? Which job pays the highest? Investment bank, right? Wall Street, they call it. Get a job on Wall Street because they're the, the finance gurus and the, the sophistication you learn all that, which I did. But now in the generation we're in, you see that the new phenom, right? The, the mm-hmm. retail craze, the Reddit world, as they call on CNBC. You know, you have the retail masses taking over. And, and that's where I come from. Look, I started a real estate company. I said, look, as an investor, you guys can now sit and invest in an apartment building in Texas or a hotel in Chicago or a student housing deal. Which option did not exist and in people's minds still does not exist. What are the ways to invest your capital? 
people are like, well, if I'm just working as a job, how can I become an entrepreneur? Because let's face it, not everybody's cut out to be an entrepreneur, no, right? Not no, everybody. No, not at all. all. It's not at all. So then let's say we are the few that we are taking the risk. We are entrepreneurs. People, what are the options for people to invest? Stock market or bonds, right? Or a mutual fund. Yeah. But guess what? Real estate is such a great asset class because you're investing in something hard, a tangible asset and generating yield and getting tax benefits. Nobody's thought that and nobody could dream, the, dream about investing in that till five years ago, right? So now we are part of that group and, and John, I think you might be in the same. We're just syndicating deals. Somebody's putting 100,000 in this deal. Somebody's putting half a million. Guess what? They are able to invest in real estate and in real estate as an asset class today, if you believe it or not, is less than 3% of people's portfolio. Yeah. yeah. Right? Yeah. It should be in 25% plus because your downside is so risk. It's so low, right? You're, you're going to lose money to really when the operator screws up, right? Or you over leverage or something of that sort or some unknown market environment that happens. But it, it should be, it should grow from where it is today as part of people's portfolio allocation. And I feel it's my job to educate them and, and make them aware that this is an asset class that everybody should invest oh, in. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. It's, 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 and you're right. I mean, what I, when I come across people, when I talk to investors in my, in my day to day that are, that, that have to compare me to any other investments, I know I'm going in winning that argument. I, I know for I'm like, all right, just bring it on because I know this is an argument I'm going to win because, it, you know, I can't, especially multifamily real estate, not just real estate, but multifamily real estate in, in particular, it provides such, you know, breadth of, you know, combination of safety and income and cash flow and growth. I mean, you know, what, what other asset class, you know, that, that's on Wall Street can compare to that? None. I mean, the, the, the real, you really have nothing out there. And that's why I'm so excited now because of the era we are in. And I would say that even COVID really changed how people think because technology has really taken over our life, mm -hmm. right? You have, you have known Zoom a year ago. Like you could, you know, you have to go to office, you can conduct video calls sitting in your home. You can really conduct business in a reliance on technology, right? So that's the era we are in. And we're going to make sure that the education, the financial education, that offering people ability to invest in real estate, I think it's become my fiduciary duty almost that I have taken around myself that I'm going to make sure that, and don't invest in my deals. I'm not saying that my deals are the best, but think of real estate as a real asset class. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, no, a hundred percent. hundred percent. No, definitely. So, so you went and, from, you went from studying finance and, and trying to get into investment banking and you did to... Where, how did you, how did you, how did Nitya started? Where, where, where did that transition, how did that transition go about? How did you start the, the company? Yeah, sure. So after doing investment banking for three years in Houston, I got a job offer from a real estate private equity fund. And it was based in Asia. So I had to move to Hong Kong. And oh, wow. I said, look, I'm going to do it. It's just, again, going back to the same mindset. What's there to lose, Right. What's there to lose? Let's explore and let's let's learn about new things. And I think that's one of the best decisions of my life where I moved to Hong Kong and my job was to invest in real estate companies and assets across Asia Pacific. Wow. So here I was as a 24-year-old flying around and going to countries like Philippines and parts of China that I didn't even know existed. Parts of India that I lived in India and I never traveled to. And Australia and Korea and Japan and underwriting deals, meeting operators. And what I really learned, I learned a lot is 
end of the day, you are investing in people. You're not investing in an asset. Mm-hmm. Right? You're investing in a person. Even till today, when investors come, I said, I can put I can put a deal in front of you on paper. That's going to look like the best deal ever that you look at, right? But at the end of the day, you're investing in me. So unless you can believe in me, don't invest in me, right? So that's what I learned because we were underwriting all these deals in different countries. People don't even speak English, right? You have Chinese people who don't speak Korean people in Korean. What and, and our risk was more than just on the paper, right? Because tomorrow in the legal system of these countries, they're developing countries, so weak that if they decide not to pay you, they don't have to pay you, yeah. right? So I wow. learned to communicate. I learned to connect with people. I learned to judge. I learned to judge people's like, if this is a trustable guy, if this is somebody I want to be partnered with. And what I realized is all about people, Only I only work with people I like working with, whether it's an investor or an employee or whatever. I, it has to fit my culture and the, and the principles I stand for comes first. I, I will reject a lot of money if, if I expectations are not yeah. aligned, yeah. right? So mm-hmm. that's what I learned. So I did that for seven years, came back in 2013, and that's when I started. That's awesome. That's awesome. Wow. It, it, the concept of alignment is something that I've I've always, always believed in through my professional life, through my business life, through even yep. through my business life. I think I think you cannot have people trust and believe in you and invest in you if you do not have alignment. I think you can't even progress your business if you not if you don't have alignment because alignment works. It's, yeah, you know, yeah, and I just say, John, I have to give you a specific example. We actually had an all-investor call. They were over 1,600 people joined. And look, you know, if you look at our track record, right? I mean, we have now uh, fully exited uh, over 1.2 billion worth of capital and delivered a 22% net IRR to our LPs Never have a deal go bad on a single location. Never missed a mortgage payment. Never had a foreclosure on any of our properties. And, and it's not been easy. It's a difficult industry to be in. It's a tedious management business. And then you on top, you throw events like COVID and freeze and Texas freeze. And then you have Hurricane Harvey. <laughs> and guess what? You are stifled, yeah. right? You're, you're trying to do something and something completely different happens. And three of the events, lifetime events, happened in the last four years in Houston, wow. right? So, and there is deals where I haven't taken asset management or property management for over two years because for us, it's investors first always. It's that mindset where you are in trying to maximize investors' return. And I have that much conviction that I will be fine. It's fine if I'm not making fees today. I'm going to sell it one day and I'll recover my fees. But it's that alignment where you always think of investors first. I think ultimately that will lead you. That's the trust and that's the, you know, the credibility, the reputation yeah. is everything you have. Your track record is everything. You know, I can say I have two billion of assets under management. Great. I mean, how much, what have I done with it? What, what, what's my track record? How much have I sold? How much money I've made people? That's going to carry with you. That's your resume. Yeah. yeah. That's a great way to put it. Yeah. So it's, it's that your track record should be the people first before your track record on any of the deals. Because when you win the people... Then you yep. can really you can you can win at, at your execution. Oh, I mean that's awesome, brother. It's it, number one thing. I would always rather have someone pick up the phone and say, you know what, John is, is a solid guy. He's you know I trust him. I you know I I would I worked with him before. He's a fantastic guy. I'd much rather have that than somebody pick up the phone and say, yeah, I made I made decent money on that deal, but man, John is an asshole. <laughs> you know, 
I, yeah. I don't want that. I don't want that second scenario. I'd rather have that first scenario because you know what? That first scenario, it doesn't matter what they make, if they believe in you and if they like you it's and if they trust you. Yeah, exactly. And it's all about managing people's expectations too, right? Not every deal you're going to do is going to be a two-bagger or a three-bagger, right? There's deals in our portfolio that, yeah, it's not been easiest to manage. But then being upfront to your investors, admitting that you made an error of judgment in this deal. But guess what? You're still standing behind it and you will make them whole. Even though there's no documents that say that hey, you took an equity risk, you can lose money. There's deals where we might lose 10 to 15% of people's original capital. But guess what? I am going to personally make them whole because that's my reputation online. That's what's mm-hmm. going to carry on with me. Mm-hmm. They trusted me to make that investment. Yes, it didn't work out. For, not because of lack of effort. It's just different things. But for me, I pitched them the deal. It's my responsibility to make sure they come yeah. out. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I agree. And I want to, I want to kind of uh, dig into your thought process. So at what point, cause I know you, you're, you're at this point, you're in Hong Kong, you're there for seven years and, and I'm sure you're, you're, you're making a killing here with uh, in the investment banking, but what, at what point do you say, you know what? I can't stay in this comfort level for so long. I think I've learned enough to where I'm going to take the leap of faith because I feel a lot of our listeners or, or any uh, up and coming entrepreneur faces that at some point in their life where maybe they're in corporate and they're like, man, I'm making good money, but when do I, how do I, how do I transition? How do I go into just kind of taking that leap of faith without that comfort? You know what I mean? Like, where's your, yeah, where's no, your I understand that. and you look, I think that question, I think it, it will differ based on individuals experiences in life and how they are set up to take on risk. Right. In my case, you know, look, I, I worked in corporate world seven years in private equity, three years, so about 10 years I was working. And I said, look, for me, I always felt that, look, I, I can probably think smarter than other people around me and my colleagues. I can make quicker, more faster decisions because let's know, we know in institutional world, everything moves slow. Everything has some hard mentality, right? Everything is like, oh, if Goldman is doing it, then we should do it, right? Or, oh, Wall Street saying, oh, Class B and C apartments, that's not an institutional asset class. It wasn't until 2016-17 when we're like, I don't want to buy 70s vintage asset. Who bought it? There was no institutions giving money for that, yeah. right? So it's that conviction in your own, you know, timing. is like, timing is key because I'm like, I can waste, sit here and waste my time trying to convince these guys who on paper think they're more smart and educated than me. Or I can believe in my own conviction and take that risk today. And guess what? If it doesn't work out, you can always get a job back, right? So for me, it was that. It's always about, I was I grew frustrated with my with my corporate life. I never had experience where, you know, I truly feel felt fulfilled in terms of what I was doing, even though I was making decent money. It's not about money for me. It's about what is giving me fulfillment, right? Am I really adding value? All I was doing is crunching models and creating presentations. I mean, it's not hard. Any, any monkey can do that these days, right? So I'm like, what am I really doing? And that's when I came over a tipping point in 2013. I'm like, look, I'm t- I'm 30, what was it? I'm like 30 to 33. Like, let's do it now because if I wait too long, because I mean, then your risk appetite was lower. That's true. Mm-hmm. That's true. Uh, what yeah. what's the what is the biggest challenge that you faced during the time that you launched the company until now? What 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 has been the biggest challenge that 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 really you know you had to kind of dig hard and and to overcome? 
Yeah, I, my answer will be different, right? I, I think my biggest challenge has been my own internal struggle, right? I mean, everything external, of course, everybody goes to how do you raise money? How do you get there? Who do you get to sign? How do you find deals, right? Of course, everybody goes through that. But my biggest challenge was my own conviction. Yes, I said it to myself. I believe in this business. I'm going to take this miles ahead. But are you really convinced? And you have these moments when you doubt yourself. I mean, actually, you have more moments of those, those than actually when you feel convinced that I'm doing the right thing, right? I mean, out of 24 hours, I would say I probably doubt myself 15 hours of those, right? But <laughs> the challenge and how you overcome it is you go through that struggle like, man, am I really going to be able to do this? Like, And it's just so much hard work. It's just crazy. It's just so much risk. Why am I doing this? I mean, my family... Let me just get a job, right? Let me just, why am I growing? It's to, the challenge is to overcome those struggles and come out ahead and still believing in that conviction of why you started that, right? That I think has been my struggle and my biggest challenge and it continues to be so, right? If I may say, because all of us still have that, right? I have 65 properties. Okay, what's my challenge? In people's mind, like you're listening, like, man, what is this guy worried about? It's two billion of assets under management. What is he worried about? But for me, it's not about two billion of assets. I want to be hundred billion, right? This is why I started. Okay, can I really get to hundred billion? Am I like overachieving? Am I dreaming about it? That thought process to keep recycling over and over and overcoming that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, and I think that's a that's a that's a struggle that uh, all of us deal with that uh, that we at ten, uh, at times we tend to fail before we start and right. it comes with the doubt that's within us where we like, always think of the worst case scenario right yeah, it, that's yeah. that's life right oh that's, what if this happens well, what if it doesn't happen then what happens <laughs> <laughs> or what if it works then what so yeah, you always have to say okay. what if it doesn't the biggest yeah, person that tells us that. we can't do something it's us it's, it's ourselves. It's ourselves. That's, yes. that's, yep. that's ourselves. who the biggest guy is. That's who the biggest biggest opponent in the room is, is the guy you're looking at in the mirror. And then guess what? You know, yeah. And then guess what? That's one side. And then guess what? We all have personal life. We all have relationships we got to maintain. And then all of a sudden, your mind is clouded by so many thoughts. Right? And then the challenge becomes, how do you compartmentalize those thoughts? Because you might be feeling great on the business aspect. But then you might have a shitty personal life or you might have some issues and whatever. Yeah. And then you're going to let that cloud your business ambition, which is what, what most people do. Or vice versa. People have a great personal life, but their their professional job stuff. How do you compartmentalize and keep your thoughts pure? It's like a box, right? Put a little yeah. block everywhere so you can achieve yeah. different things, right? And not let each other overlap. It's also the biggest challenge. I think I think it's both a blessing and a curse to be honest with you, Swap Neil, because people who compartmentalize are tend to be more successful. Who can compartmentalize? A lot of people can't compartmentalize. You know, I, I, you know, I, we, I know, I know a lot of people who would would say like, how can you compartmentalize? How can you? You just had the most sucky personal day. Like, how can you go to work and still be able to crank out? You know, good, a good, good, good day's work. And I'm like, because I have, I have to leave that behind. That's got to, I got to shut that out. Mm-hmm. Like I got to put it in a box, shut it and then focus on something else. That is the key. That is the key, my friend, to achieving success. You have to compartment, you have to learn. And it's a journey, right? Because a lot of times we, we, over, we, we don't overcome it. We let different things confuse us and lead her, you know, get a bad or some kind of bad email. 
and your initial reaction is okay you get angry and the next minute you have a call with a lender or somebody else you can't let that be in your mind i mean this is a very small example that i'm giving but it's the key in life no, I, I, I'm with you. I'm with you 100. Yeah. percent To me, I just don't like to carry anything. You know, meaning mental. You know, carrying because the more yeah. you carry, it's a heavy weight, and you just, you just, it drags you down all the time. Whether it's anger, whether it's madness, whether it's you know uh, a disappointment, you know, whatever it is, you know, you took a, you took a slap on the face. Fine, take it, move on. You know, you did something, something went wrong. Yeah. Learn from it, and then move on. But. But, you know, people people don't do that. And that's that goes back to non-compartmentalizing. People always tend to hold on to things like, oh, I got to, you know, I got to hold on to this. And this is this. I got to, this is, oh, yeah, I got to learn this. And, and and they don't they don't move on. They don't move on. It's very, very tough. It's a heavy load to, to carry all the time. Yeah. Um, that, what is, what is, so, so we all look at the world in a different lens. And that's a question Francisco is going to know what's coming because I ask this question all the time. Yeah, I do. We all look in the <laughs> world in certain lenses. We look at people in a certain lens and we look at our lives in, at a certain lens. How do you look, in what lens do you view people on a day-to-day basis? And in what lens do you view, you know, the world in general on a, on a day-to-day basis? Very optimistic, very positive. I, I genuinely feel... That, that God has created us as great humans. We all have good heart. Uh, so I come from the lens where, unless proven otherwise, I think of everybody as a great right? And that's the, my mindset and approach in life is everybody I meet, everybody's, I, I'm seeing you guys for the first time in my life and we were having like life-changing conversations and philosophies that people don't think about. It's for me, it's like I come from a place of good heart. Right? I'm, I'm very... Happy, complacent. I'm not complacent. I'm very happy from my internal space where I come from, and I'm very secure. Let me put it that. I'm very secure with who I am, what I am. Very self-conscious about my strengths and weaknesses, and it's a journey too, right? I mean, a lot of people is like, it's not my fault. It's not. No, I understand sometimes this is my fault. This is my personality. Right? So I come from a good place. I connect with people very fast because at the end of the day, it's about the cosmic. I believe in energy, right? It's about. It's about energy. It's the unknown. It's the unquantifiable thing where I get good energy from you guys and, and I feel good. I go in yeah. and I, I can I can feel the energy right away. If I'm not getting a positive energy, then I put my my blockers out and I'm like, okay, this is something that... But generally, I would say 99%, I, I get good vibes. I, have, I feel that people bring good energy. That's awesome. That's good stuff. Yeah. Yeah. yeah no, that's good. No. That's good. That's good. And again, and 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 again, it all just comes back to just um, the 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 coming coming back to the lens of people. You know what I mean? Like being able to just interact with the people, but but again, also having your like, hey, you know what is is this person even gonna be able to come into my life and, and where I can bring value, or are they not letting me bring value? It, it, it's just gonna come back down. Yeah, to yeah. People. Another thing, yeah, I mean, Francisco, that's a good point. I mean, when I see people, when I meet people. I meet anyone and everyone without an agenda. I never think that if I meet this guy, how will he or she will be useful to me in the future? I, I hate doing that because for me, I'm just meeting another person as a potential friend, right? Mm-hmm. And and for me, I don't care. Hopefully, I'm useful to that person. In, in my, so I come from a lens where I want to be helpful and hopefully help that person I meet without ex- having any expectation from the other party. And if the yes. if people if the normal people in this world can have that mentality, the world will be a much happier place. Oh. 
we'd all be sitting around a fire singing kumbaya. <laughs> <laughs> um, listen, we we all we all make mistakes in this in this business. I know you and I both know this business. We we all make you know mistakes, whether deliberately, underdeliberately. And and some of those mistakes we have to you know we have to learn from. Some of those mistakes we dwell on a little bit longer. Uh, what what's a mistake that you? How do you generally handle when when you know you've made a mistake? And I say mistake, not a failure, because you know we all make mistakes. So you know how do you learn about you know what do you do about when you learn that you've made a mistake, and how do you go about you know correcting it and learning from it? Many make many mistakes, my friend. So, you know, like in our history, like we'll just talk about business now because I don't want to talk about a personal mistake. <laughs> uh, so in business, look, we bought over 100 deals now, bought and sold, and not every deal is like I said. The, we started buying in Houston. Houston is a pretty crappy market, to be very frank. I was just talking, giving an update to investors that we bought a property, 1100 units. It's like a city on West Timer near Galleria. I never thought about who's going to be the buyer for the property. It's a 1960s property, a chiller property. And it's a $100 million property. Now, I never imagined when I bought it in 2015, oh, who is going to be the buyer of the property. But guess what? You realize as you're going through it that the buyer pool is very limited. There's no institution that's going to buy $100 million because it's chiller 1960s property. Then it leaves down your pool to high net worth guys. How many net worth high net worth guys have $100 million tomorrow? So that's the mistake we made. There are many uh, mistakes we made where you, you know, uh, underwrite certain things that, that doesn't pan out. But the key for me is to owning up to those mistakes, right? To be proactively telling your investors or whoever your stakeholder is, whether it's a mistake in, in a hiring process, but just being very open. I made a mistake. How can we rectify being self-conscious about the mistake, not blaming others for your mistake, mm-hmm. right? That's what 99.9% of people do. They don't admit or own to their mistakes, right? Yeah. They always blame somebody else. It's about owning up and saying, look, yes, I am upfront. I made a mistake. Let's move from here. Yeah. I think that goes a lot further though. It go, it go, it takes you just so much further because I mean, you're, you're a man yeah. of your word. You say what you say and you walk the walk, you talk the talk. Absolutely. Absolutely. No, hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. I wanted. I wanted to ask. So, so you you've gone through this long process. You already gone through the whole process. You made a transition. You've created Nitya. Like, did did you at any point see that Nitya get this big? Did you dream for it to get this big, or was this just something that you're like, you know what? I'm gonna buy like about just a hundred units, two hundred units, and I'm I'm I'm. I My think, man's just I getting just started. He just told you he wants to no, be a hundred million. Yeah, yeah, I think it might sound odd because for me, well, then, well, he got to that mindset that he wants to get to 100 billion, but before that, was that mindset yeah. still there? For me, we are still in the bottom of first inning. In the that's amazing. That's amazing. That's that is that is good stuff. That's awesome. Uh, what's uh, we uh, we we down to the fire rounds? Yeah, we're down to the fire round. So we're gonna go ahead and just ask you a, a few questions. It's gonna be a fire round questions, and just just uh, don't have to be long, but just gonna be a couple questions that sure. we're gonna ask you just to kind of get get wrapped up here. So my first question is, what's a hidden talent that nobody knows about you? <laughs> a hidden talent. I would say I'm a great oh, ping pong player. Nice. <laughs> oh, nice. <laughs> Very good. Nice. nice. 
That's awesome. No, I love ping pong. Actually, we we go down to uh, Baja in Mexico. I, we go there like about twice twice a twice a month, and we yeah. actually just got a new ping pong. So we're always having like little small mini tournaments. So yeah, yeah, yeah. maybe me and you would probably have a game, a little one on one. Let's do it. No, I was intramural champion. You're really good at ping pong. Oh wow. Okay, oh, man, I'm not that just... good. Okay, never mind. Hold on, hold on. I was the only Indian guy amongst like 50 <laughs> Chinese people playing ping pong. So I think that. <laughs> Oh, man. Well, really, you should have kept that like in the back pocket, man. You could have you could have hustled Francisco for a little bit. Look, I'm still up for the challenge. When I'm in Houston, we're oh, we're, man, we're, that's we're a good stuff. What's a, I got another question for you. What is what is your best productivity tool that you use right now on a on a regular on a regular basis that keeps you productive? My I am attached to my iPhone. I don't have a computer. This this computer is used for just Zoom calls recently, so I got bought a computer. My productivity starts at uh, 5 a.m. where I'm literally on top of, I mean, I'm blessed in a way where I have really good, uh, you call it photographic memory in a way, where, you know, you'd be amazed I'm in a meeting with accountants and a CFO, and I just remember all the numbers, right? They have 53 assets today. I'll remember NOI of each and debt balance of what I need to sell. So I'm blessed in, in a way with my memory. And sometimes it, it, it's, a, it's a negative because a lot of other people have to go back and check. And I'm just so on it that let's move forward. These are the numbers. Let's go for it. And so for my productivity, is like following up, holding people accountable. Uh, and it's not that I set out goals for the day that this is what I'm going to achieve today. I've never done that in my life. Right? I've never said I'm going to achieve but it's that I'm in a position now where I'm fortunate that I don't have to plan. Most of the times I'm being reactive to lender follow-ups or equity raise or deal acquisition and asset management. I mean, there's just so many things and I feel so good that I'm busy. Even while sleeping, I'm thinking about a lot of things. It's funny because I can't get a deep sleep anymore. So in my mind, it's like constantly working and I'm just, and I'm, I'm, I just feel that, and there it is when I feel lethargic. There are days when I don't have motivation. There, there are many days. I, mean, I would say mm-hmm. there are more days when I have those moments than when I feel productive. Like yesterday was a great productive day after I would say three weeks. I felt great about it. It's in the mind, right? It's not something you achieve. If your mind feels you're being productive, that's all you take home, Absolutely. right? That's what you think you're productive. You don't have to actually mm-hmm. move mountains and mow the lawn to be productive, right? It's just in your mind. What did you achieve today? And you feel good. You feel well, good. As, as follow up to that question, how do you hold yourself accountable all the time? I mean, the, the, the biggest challenge for, for me and for a lot of us in the industry, and really a lot of entrepreneurs, is holding themselves accountable for things that they have to deliver for themselves personally and professionally. How do you hold yourself accountable? The way I measure, John, yeah, the way I measure my accountability is to my investment. That's my number one fiduciary duty, John. And if I am working day and out in the interest of them and my employees, secondary, and my tenants. Obviously, I have to provide a nice, clean, safe place for them to live. For me, accountability is the what I'm delivering. In my business life, my number one goal is to deliver returns to my That is the task I'm given. That is why a billion, two billion people or lenders and investors have given me $2 billion. My number one goal is I, I am accountable and as a, as a trustee of those funds. Uh, as, as a way and, and a fiduciary of that $2 billion, my goal is, first of all, not to lose a single dollar. 
And then if I can generate positive returns, that, that is essentially my goal. And that's yeah. how I put yeah. myself in. Fantastic. Awesome. Awesome. And then I got one more question for you. What's the best piece of advice you've ever been given? Uh, I am a big, uh, so I didn't, I never have like any mentors growing up. I'm the only child. So I never had any brother, older brother, sister. I'm the only child. I, I have great circle of friends, very inner circle. Uh, but I follow, have two idols. I have Elon Musk, who I hold in high regards and Jack. Right? And, and, and it's not that advice they gave me personally. I'm just read about them, read their books. Yeah. And, and, and one thing that really stuck out is, you know, Elon Musk, he, he sold his uh, company PayPal for $180 million and he literally put everything back in, in that, in SpaceX and Tesla yeah. and he yeah. rented a home to, you know, to live in. And I'm like, if this guy can, it's like $180 million at that time, it was like 15 years ago. Oh, I'm like, yeah. this is a lot of money, right? And, and, and if this guy can put everything again online because of what he had conviction that he could take people to Mars, I mean, that is insane if you think about it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> It's it's such, it's such an amazing story, and it's insane as far as like someone even back then to get 180 million dollars. I mean, you think that you're just like I'm done, like I, I, I'm done. like all right, what's the next thing? But I mean, not this guy only, not only invested the 180, he invested all 180 million, all of it in a company like Tesla, which is electric vehicles. Unheard of. Single, right? Who's gonna make electric? Who the hell's gonna drive electric vehicles? And then I'm gonna take people to Moon and Mars. Are you kidding me? As a viable <laughs> commercial business. And then you have Jack Ma, who lives in a communist country like China, where socialism, yeah. and he basically became the biggest cap symbol of capitalism in a socialistic country. I mean, yeah. how crazy that is, right? So those are some of the little inspirations. So I guess, that I so I guess I'm, I'm taking it, put it all on the line. That's what you're getting out of out of out of Tesla. Put it, put it all on the line. You know, look, I mean, I don't think you guys watch baseball, right? You watch baseball. Three out of ten in the baseball will take, take you to Hall of Fame. You become a Hall of Famer. Yeah. Three out of ten, right? If you're a thirty over thirty hitter, you are in the Hall of Fame. Guess what? You only have to connect three out of ten times. Keep swinging. You just gotta hit three out of ten. <laughs> I times. love it. Nice. I love it. That's a good one. That is a good closer. I love, I love that. Keep swinging. I love that. I love that is golden it. nuggets right it. there. Oh man. Um, well, guys, well, thank thank you so much, Swap Neil. So that wraps up our our episode today. I really hope that the folks at home actually really got a kick out of it because I mean, you dropped some serious gems, and it's not so much also as far as digging down into the nitty gritty deals, but this is kind of just to knowing what it really takes, the perseverance, the persistence, the the conviction in us as entrepreneurs to keep going, keep moving forward, and uh, to breaking absolutely. barriers. So yeah, I really Swap appreciate Neil. you joining us. I really us, appreciate you, Neil. man. It's uh, we, we're gonna have you on again, maybe in season two. We'll, 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 and hopefully by then we would have met <laughs> personally, and you would have either kicked my ass in 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 ping yes. or something. Which city yeah, are you guys in? North Carolina. Are you guys? I'm I'm in I'm in Orange County, yeah. Anaheim, California. Oh. Yeah. Southern Anytime California. you guys are welcome, and I will definitely reach out to you if I'm in. I'm looking to buy deals in North Carolina, John. So you have anything? Please do. Uh, we can work together. Send them my way. I. Rookie looking to grow out of uh, something. Always dealing and wheeling. I love it. I Absolutely. love it. Thank you, my friend. I appreciate <laughs> it. Oh, Swap Neil, real quickly before we disconnect. Swap Neil, how can people connect with you? Where can they find you? Uh, many ways. You can Google. So, S. Agarwal and Nitya Capital. I'm very active on LinkedIn. My marketing team handles my Facebook and Instagram. So, I'm personally not on those. But LinkedIn, I check. My email is there. Website. I mean, many ways to get in touch. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. That wraps it up. Appreciate it. God bless.
Thanks for listening to the Jalal Azar podcast presenting Breaking Resistance. Make sure to keep the conversation going by following us on Instagram and LinkedIn and check out our latest projects by visiting www.peak15cap.com. I'm Jalal John Azar. And I'm Francisco Herrera. And this is Breaking Resistance.